current facility to overhaul 150 legs per year and we do that with 72 staff which is uh, 58 58 directs um, eight indirects and six apprentices uh, last couple of years I mean since Dublin airspace opened uh, the first year you know I think we we done something like 20 legs but in the we in the 10 years since we opened we've grown the business and this year we're targeting to really reach capacity of what uh, the Dublin shop can do at the moment. And having seen that in the last year or two, we've been looking to see how we could expand further. And last year we made the decision to buy a what is a, an unused warehouse in Ashbourne, which is gives us 60,000 square feet. So hopefully within the year, we plan to move to that facility close down um, Hangar 1 and start operations in Ashbourne. I'll talk a bit more about that just on a, on a later slide, but the, the basics are that it will allow us to double our capacity and it also allows us to move off airside, which is a bit of a hindrance to us at the moment. With uh, COVID-19 at the moment, I suppose the, the big issues uh, surfaced obviously when the airlines and uh, fleets around the world started to shut down, start to park aircraft up, which really came in, I suppose, mid-March mid was the main hit on it. Dublin Aerospace, is, uh, with a lot of other uh, aerospace companies, I suppose, we, we continued to work as we were deemed to be essential by the government as a supporter or a supplier to the aerospace industry. To date, and there is some luck attached to this, that uh, you know, we have had zero cases of COVID in-house within the company during that period, and touch wood, it, it, it remains that way. We have had 104 cases where people just went into self-isolation, whether they got other forms of the flu or just felt that it was safe to do so. But none of those 104 cases, they were all tested, none of them came back positive. But between each of them, we lost probably between two or the full 14 days uh, work attendance during that period. Just with in-house, a lot of stuff we've done, it was similar to the presentation that you saw from SR Technics last week. We've broadened shift patterns to reduce uh, overlap of, of uh, crews coming in. We have some work from home. It's difficult in our business, uh, mainly it's clerical people, uh, some HR, finance, uh, some planning. So it's less than 10%, but we had maybe up to 19 people working from at home. Lots of staggered breaks. Um, we were pushing on the personal distancing, which is difficult when you're working on aircraft or in workshops, but we have, we have been very uh, pushy on that to keep staff distance. And then obviously the hygiene things with washing hands, we've uh, sterilizing stations around the place and then PPE masks. We're, there's probably a, nearly more of a concern with us um, going forward now that the, different countries are starting to open up and you know the the fear is all on this this second spike so we're actually up in our game a bit I suppose from now on that uh, with more people and construction is back in business again that we've actually gone to trial from next week a new software ePPE program which basically will um, it's a, a kind of a, a wristwatch, wristwatch or a buzzer that fellas will wear. Everybody be issued one within the shop. And if they come within two meters of somebody else, they get an alarm, which will tell them either to put on their mask or to back away out of the two meter distance. So 
we're actually going to trial that in the Landing Gear shop, I think, from next week. For all this, it, it has led to some inefficiencies within the shop. Obviously, people trying to keep the distance, and uh, it has, has affected some efficiencies and probably also a small drop in productivity within the area. Current outlook for the year, um, our budget and the forecast we set, and now our year runs from October to September, but we were targeted to be at full capacity for the year. We had all that capacity sold, which was for 150 legs uh, during that period. To date, we've completed 86 overhauls, which is roughly on, on target, considering we're just over halfway through the year. However, we do see the it will start to hit us now, especially in the last quarter. We're estimating that we're going to hit probably 25% uh, fall in revenue between now and the end of the year. Um, most customers yet, yeah, everybody's going <laughs> to looking for credit uh, payment extensions, Anton, from 60 to 90. I've heard some people looking for 120 day uh, extensions. So that's happening and depending on who the customer is and whether they're a major customer to us, yes, we've uh, offered extensions to some. 20% drop in revenue is mainly on landing gears yet. The airlines and the lessors, you know, as we all know, amount of aircraft that have been grounded, checks have been pushed out or deferred. So it's as a result of that that we're going to see the, the drop in forecast. Mainly will hit us, I think, in from July to September. As you see, we're roughly on budget year to date. But um, because all these aircraft are now grounded and it, it's going to take Forecast is probably at least six months for airlines to get anywhere near where they were before. So all these gears that were due to come in in the last quarter are probably still parked up around the place. So I think for, for uh, landing gear for us, and it's probably the same for other landing gear MROs, the, the difficult period is only going to start coming in the next month or so. You know, for the last, the last couple of months, we've been working off uh, what we've had in the shop, um, backlogs, and some customers obviously decided to go ahead with gears that had booked in up until June. So that has kept us going for the moment. Um, the outlook on the longer term, yeah, but some landing gears have been deferred, you know, but because they are hard life units, the overhauls will still have to happen. The clocks are still running. And I know Airbus have issued some uh, information notice to get a deferment or postponement of some checks, but my understanding of that is it doesn't apply to parts that are listed on the ALS, which landing gears are. So to me, the clock is still running on gears, even if the aircraft are parked up. So the knock-on effect of this is because, probably because we're 25% behind budget in, in the last quarter, really that 25% is just being pushed out till the following quarter or the quarter after that when aircraft start flying. So. It's not that this work has disappeared, it just has been deferred and pushed out. The difficulty with that, I suppose, is um, in the first or second quarter next year, you have all this extra um, number of gears that will require overhaul. So I can see that there'll probably be a problem in availability of exchange and loans. Um, Carolus would probably have a better idea on that, that's more his line. But I would say that you know, if we're looking at more um, overhauls early next year because they're missed this year that will and probably will become an issue you know just a, a rough figure for any airline if they have five aircraft requiring gear overhauls in a year does one seat set required to look after those five sets of gears obviously like a big airline like Ryanair or something they might have 20 sets 
or 20 sets due overhaul, so they're going to need at least four sets of gears, which Ryanair have. A number of airlines do carry their own spare gears, but a lot don't. And as I say, for every for every five aircraft due next year, there needs to be a seed set or a loan set available out in the marketplace, which right now I'm not sure if there is. There was struggle late last year for people trying to get uh, loan and exchange sets of gears. But having said that, we are confident that, as I said, gears are hard lifed. They will need overhaul. And, you know, we are confident that all this will return in 21, whether it's first or second quarter, but uh, we will return back to where we were. Our confidence is that good in it that just this week with construction opening back up in Ireland, we've uh, commenced the construction stage of the Ashbourne facility. I say it was a, a warehouse. We've all the design done and everything. Um, the main contractors on site from today and we have our first build meeting on friday morning so we're confident with that it's a 40-week project so hopefully by early next year we'll be in the new 60,000 square feet facility with capacity of well as i say capacity to double our our numbers from 150 to at least 300 legs so we're thinking positive for the future and uh, i suppose that's what we have to do Alan just asked me to touch a bit on just what are the costs kind of associated with gear overhauls. Hard to put an exact price on it because every airline has different um, different inclusions, different exclusions uh, in the gears, you know, our, our, our tracked actuators include that. But generally speaking, an average overhaul of a set of gears would be anything from three hundred dollars to $400,000, as I say, depending what's in, what's out, whether it's first overhaul, second overhaul. So there isn't just a magic figure there to say look it's 340 there's a lot of variables and that's why it's nearly each set of gears has a, its own particular uh, cost associated with it you know depending on service bullet and spec and all that as i said because i i would forecast just because of the um long number of loans and exchanges uh, the availability of those that they may become more expensive to get next year just if they're not out there, it's, it's supply and demand. You're going to pay more for them, I would say. And then historically, OEMs, their materials normally would go up by maybe 1.5%. Safran, less than that. Boeing are normally 1, 1.5%. You could well see that the manufacturers trying to generate revenue post-COVID, you'll see that 1.5% increase next year, I'd say, increasing substantially. We've already seen shock struck fluid um, Hydraulic fluid, even small clamps and that prices are starting to increase already. Yeah. And also we've been hit uh, shipping costs with the airlines not flying. We're relying on freighters more and more. And we've seen long distance shipping. Uh, we shipped to AirAsia and that cost, shipping costs have nearly doubled. So that's also going to have a, an effect on overhaul costs. So that's uh, kind of me. I don't know whether that's 10 minutes, Alan, or so, but it's a, a general overview from us in, in Dublin airspace as to where we are at the moment. Yeah. That's brilliant. Um, Paul, thanks very much. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, coming from an engine background, the OEM increases are so small. I mean, on the engine side, typically you see 6 and 7% per year on, on new parts. So that's, that's, that's a big difference from one OEM to another. Um, We'll hold up the questions until the end after Carolus's uh, talk, and um, uh, we, can, we can have a discussion then. Carolus, are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm trying to share my screen now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, 
we have you there. Yeah. Um, okay, so Alan again also has, uh, as Paul has mentioned, thank you for invitation and uh, for this uh, short discussion. Um, I appreciate that I can share some small insight uh, from Epoch side regarding the landing gear market. Me is different than Paul, I'm more commercial uh, from commercial side. So basically because we are as Epoch uh, company, we're buying, trading or leasing assets. And uh, for those who doesn't know uh, Epoch Aviation, let me briefly uh, just go through the presentation to introduce a little bit who is Epoch and then I will continue uh, generally what is happening with the market in the moment. So Epoch Aviation is a Dutch based company which was established in uh, 2014. Uh, so basically we have um, close to five years already of uh, working experience, which is quite young company. Our main focus is uh, on the, as a company by itself, we mainly focus on the Tierland projects. Uh, so we buy aircrafts and we tore down those aircrafts in the first part facilities, third part facilities, no, we don't do that in-house. And our main focus of course is 8320 and 737 new gen uh, aircraft, oh, airframes, sorry. Uh, few facts of the company. Uh, we have accomplished already 26 aircraft acquisitions till now. Uh, very nice and fact is that uh, some of funds we are crowd crowdfunding and uh, one uh, historical, let's say, fact is that 50, in 15 minutes we raised 2.1 million euros in uh, for our Tierland project. Uh, the whole company is actually based in uh, HQ, one of the companies based in Netherlands in Berkel, close to Rotterdam. Uh, but we also have sales offices in Lithuania. We also have in uh, Northern and uh, Southern Americas. We're also planning uh, to open uh, stock hubs in Asia and in America this year, in North America this year. That's at least the plan and we're trying to keep. And mainly what we do in our company, of course, it's uh, component supports is one of the, our activities. Uh, together, together to the component support, we also do engine management solutions, landing gear management solution, and aircraft sourcing for Tierdon is, of course, to support our component stock for after Tierdon of the aircraft. So what's about landing gear, uh, landing gear uh, management solution? What we do, actually? We try to focus on short-term and long-term leases. On exchanges programs, uh, we do asset trading as well. We buy and sell if needed. Uh, usually, we uh, usually we buy to our stock, but sometimes we have some assets available to the market and we can sell our assets from our stock. Also, we are focusing uh, less focusing, but also we can do repair management. This is more for our customers who is leasing assets from us, and they have lack of manpower who can uh, manage themselves landing gear uh, landing gear repairs. So they just ask us where we try to find the best uh, option in the market, uh, working with such shops, again, also like Dublin uh, space, where subcontracting and uh, doing some repairs there. Uh, sales lease back option, which I would like to maybe tell, uh, discuss a little bit more uh, deeply a little bit later, because this is something new. And I guess for COVID-19 is a new, new activity uh, and can be interesting to many of the companies. And current our lease pool uh, is with A320, A321, seven classics, new gens, and uh, with what we have actually have on lease, also Boeing 757 and Boeing 767 landing gears. And uh, 
So today business, COVID-19 situation, uh, I guess is uh, uh, the topic number one uh, nowadays everywhere, not only in aviation, uh, but also, of course, aviation, uh, it impacted uh, very dramatically for the grounded planes and for, of course, for the revenues losses and for the whole plan and replanning all the strategies, what we're going to do. So, um, uh, what is about landing gears uh, and how that, that that impacted landing gear market is uh, is of course it's impacted the uh, asset values in in the market especially for HV20 uh, older ones second hand uh, gears uh, second removal gears uh, or 20 years old gears uh, and uh, uh, pre enhanced ones gears for the older planes it has uh, decrease of the pricing is around 30 to 40 percent uh, however. We see also good uh, uh, positive, let's say, news for uh, for other assets like 737 new gen 800s, especially, or 8321 uh, heavyweight gears. These landing gears market is still uh, still on. Let's say it didn't doesn't have a big impact on the pricing. It's just reduced uh, number close to five percent. I would say maybe maximum the the price reduction is here. And it's still for 800s in fresh overhaul condition still keeps uh, pricing above 1.5 million. And the same is with 93 tons, A321 gears, which is also quite expensive. It, uh, the number doesn't change due to uh, shortage of the assets in the market currently. Um, as uh, Paul has mentioned, um, uh, leases lease prices might increase later. But it's, uh, it's uh, compared to current situation, the leases, uh, leases by itself requirements and requires has decreased uh, for airworthy landing gears, which is needed for, of course, flying aircrafts. Uh, but uh, opposite to that is that uh, dummy gears for like a roll around gears is needed. Uh, the increases has, uh, the requirement uh, has increased quite dramatically because some of our customers are looking for roll around gear and try to use this uh, current situation wh while the planes are grounded to, to maintain the aircraft. And during the maintenance, uh, they are planning to overhaul the gears uh, a little bit earlier and uh, have the aircrafts ready uh, once, the, once the flights will be allowed again. So once they will be back to, to the operations. Uh, what is also most interesting fact is that uh, currently we as APOC, we are actually switching to from selling or from selling mode to more to buying mode and uh, differently than our uh, other speakers last week, I would say that APOC, we are still looking in, uh, in assets to acquire. Uh, we're looking for reasonable prices uh, assets and uh, definitely we are still trying to keep our plan for for our leasing pool to increase our leasing pool is still uh, still on the on the line and uh, we're still trying to to follow the plan uh, what risk we see and we might feel during this um, this period is that uh, repossession of the gears uh, might be difficult uh, especially uh, some of the our lease customers might uh, might start uh, filing to the bankruptcy uh, fortunately to us, we don't have such customers because our credential, uh, credibility reviews and uh, of the customers and of course uh, we try to work with tier one type of customers uh, and uh, become a roast and it helps us to, to work with uh, strong financially strong com uh, companies. But uh, there is still some risk, of course, that uh, if the gear is subleased by MRO to their customers, that the customer might go 
might uh, file to bankruptcy and there might be a really big risk for uh, to repossess the gear. And uh, of course, uh, the biggest uh, goal is for us uh, also to repossess our assets before those companies will go bankrupt. And that's why we're working closer to our current customers, which is mainly big MROs, or tier one customers, uh, to see where our assets allocated and how we can deal together with them in this current situation and uh, try to forecast what's going to happen with the companies and and uh, sh shall we act now and try to get our assets back or we're still okay with the current situation and uh, keep the, our assets running on the lease. And of course, it's a uh, few customers, of course, um, has a claim to, to us, uh, asked us actually for some uh, payment uh, vacations, so to say, or holidays. And uh, to, we are working with those customers closely who is actually asking for some um, uh, payment postponements or vacations or actually to, to asking for some uh, discounts on the, on the loaner assets for, for the moment. And we're trying to find solutions together and to see how we should uh, uh, survive this period altogether. Uh, for the future plans, as APOC, um, uh, and for, for the market, I would say, we, we feel that the market will start uh, recover in spring 2021, but recover not just tries to fly or the demand will be here, but uh, we say that in spring 2021, there is, will be, we're going to be close to the same demand what we had before on the sales part. On the sales part. Uh, as mentioned before, we're continuing and looking for good assets, uh, landing gears especially for acquisition to our lease pool. And as well, we're also uh, very actively looking still to acquire airframes for Tiernos because uh, we still have a plan to, to have uh, Tiernos plant and with Tierdon of the aircraft is actually, which is interesting that uh, if we're gonna have Tierdon and we will buy aircraft now, we will have uh, still the whole project completed within half a year. So where the spring will be close by and we expect the market uh, to, to come back to the normal. Uh, shortly, this is for me. That's uh, fantastic, Carolus. Thank you for that um, good oversight on the landing gear market currently. And it's good to see both from Paul and yourself that you do see coming back strongly uh, in the spring of next year, and it will survive in the meantime. Uh, just as we just kick off, uh, questions um, one from my side. Uh, on the aircraft teardown side, who have you been using in the past for aircraft teardown, or what are the options out there? Mainly, we use actually just facilities where aircraft is located, or the engine buyer is need, or engine owner needs the aircraft. So um, it's globally, worldwide. But mainly, of course, mainly our Tiernos we had with uh, Air Savage in UK before. Currently, we have few aircraft Tiernos at Ascent in U United States. And also, we use EQP uh, in some cases in Spain, sometimes in, in UK. We have uh, completed uh, three Tiernos in uh, China as well, which was qu quite interesting project as well for us and nice experience. But basically, the, generally, we're trying to, we do Tiernos globally, but uh, as closer to our home, Tiernon facility is better for us due to logistics, especially for perspective as well. As Paul has mentioned, nowadays and now the pricing for cargo and pricing for logistics is actually increasing dramatically. And I could say even not double prices we should pay. We are paying, I would say, in some cases in big assets, 
transactions like Lightning Gear A320 from United States to Europe. Uh, we shipped uh, a few weeks ago and actually we paid three times more than we used to pay. Very good. Um, anybody else, any questions for either Paul or Carolus? I'll just want one for, for Paul actually. Um, not, I'm no expert on landing gear myself, but I know um, with the uh, A320 pre-enhanced and, and enhanced gears, you have capability for both in Dublin airspace, Paul? Yeah, full capability. Um, as Paul said, the, the pre-enhanced and the older gears, they're tending to be phased out, although they may pick up again because you can actually get a, a, a TA from Airbus to fit a pre-enhanced gear in where you had an enhanced gear, and they will let you do that for a year. We've had uh, some customers do that. So if gears are becoming scarce, Carlos, we, you can actually get permission to fit the pre-enhanced onto uh, an enhanced aircraft. But yeah, we've capability for both. Very good. All right, uh, if there's no more questions, I'll um, hand over to Alex. Just we're, going to, we're just over the half hour mark. So Alex is going to give a quick update on APTN, what he's doing. Uh, take no more than a couple of minutes, and um, then we'll be ready to uh, to close the show. Alex, are you ready to, to, to move there? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I will just share this here. Okay. Thanks again, Paul and Carlos. Two great presentations there, and just echoing what Alan said. Fantastic to get a positive outlook on the time to come. So I'm just going to give... Um, an overview there just to introduce myself if you've come in late. My name is Alex O'Brien. Um, I just graduated from finance from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona Beach, Florida. And I am um, coming into a master's program in aviation finance in Smurfit in UCD this September. So just to give an overview of what I'll be speaking about, I will be giving an update on the new APTN corporate page we have on LinkedIn. Um, the APTN WhatsApp regional groups that we've introduced earlier this week, and just membership growth plans and targets for the APTN network. So the new APTN corporate page. So if any of you haven't um, seen this yet, uh, I'd encourage you to go over and follow it from our, I think we've posted it once or twice on the APTN hub. Um, it just basically gives day-to-day -day updates on APTN news. Um, it's going to show all the YouTube videos and articles, um, the podcast from these weekly Zooms as well. And it's more just not to bombard the APTN hub, which will is obviously more of a personal and group for the APTN members. Um, it all, also, as I said, is here spread awareness um, for the APTN network. So most of you probably got an email regarding the WhatsApp regional groups that we've introduced. Uh, there's 10 regions, as you can see here, um, showing the membership on each, uh, the number of members on each region. So there's a few people got uh, emailed me back regarding um, a one big WhatsApp group, which is something that myself and Alan have discussed. It's probably going to be something we're going to look into in the future. For now, we're going to keep it regional. If you do email me back with interest in joining the groups, um, you're going to be placed into the region in which you signed up for. I know some people wanted to be in two or three uh, different regions, but for now we're just going to keep it local and keep you in the one region that you signed up for on the APTN um, network. Again, if you did email me and you signed up as a basic member on the APTN network, 
uh, your information is not actually present on the searching tool because you're only a basic member um, and we'd encourage you to re-sign up as an uh, ATP member, which I'll, I can discuss um, later on in this presentation. So just to give an insight there into the APTN the membership demographic, as you can see, we have a brilliant diversification of um, lots of different countries uh, with plenty of different expertise across the board. So as you can see here, our target is it's quite simple to have APTN members in every single country if possible and just to get get to make a worldwide and be able to spread information and be able to have the network uh, as wide and have a, as far reach as possible. So membership growth, uh, growth plans and targets. So in the APTN hub, hub members on the LinkedIn group page, there's 1,100 members, but there's actually only 203 members who've signed up for the APTN platform. So again, we encourage um, you to let people know if they are on the, the hub group on LinkedIn, that they should definitely um, go and sign up to the platform. Um, obviously our goal then, we currently have 203 members. Our goal is then to try to get 1,000 APTN members by the end of 2020. So I'll just um, show you here on this pie chart, as you can see, there's 45% uh, basic members um, rather than ATP members, which is crazy really regarding um, the, if you look at the chart below it, showing the difference in ATP and basic members. And ATP is currently free for the next six months to sign up for. So if you've already signed up as a basic member, um, we encourage that you sign up again under a different email address because you're really not getting full access to the APTN network platform as a basic member. You don't have access to uh, any of the Zoom calls or any of the articles that will be posted on the um, APTN um, network. So then just finally, if you have any queries at all uh, regarding the WhatsApp groups, the network itself, any of the LinkedIn pages, my email and WhatsApp is here. Uh, feel free to reach out uh, with any problems or issues that you may have. Great, Alex, brilliant. Thanks very much for that. Um, it's a good overview. I'll uh, conclude uh, by thanking again Paul and Carolus for their, their, their input here today uh, and Alex again for, for that, that overview and uh, we'll try and uh, keep you updated on, on developments as they happen. So on that note, uh, next week, um, looking at the topic of uh, aircraft uh, passenger to freighter conversions and what the options are in terms of MRO um, uh, aircraft uh, uh, that it's available for and what's happening in that market so uh, that's the plan for next week so we'll be sending out a, a summary email of this call um, in the next day or two and hope to see you uh, again next uh, Thursday at 12 o'clock on that note I'll uh, sign off and thanks for joining